What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Storytime with Uncle Reddit. My name's John, and this is r slash malicious compliance. So I'm barely getting this video out tonight, but I had to get one done today because I'm just so far behind. Uh, spent a lot of time doing some chores around here, around my mom's place here in Florida. Uh, also day drinking and uh, playing a little golf, believe it or not. I play like crap, but hey, we have some fun. Although I will say I got my ass whooped by the Golden Girls today, so uh, yeah. Kind of licking my wounds a little bit and figure maybe a spicy little malicious compliance video will help that out. Yeah, let's find out. Malicious compliance culinary school style. The other day we were making palms Normandy in class. I don't know what that is. If you're not familiar with the dish, it's apples cut so that they fan out after cooking and are cooked in a butter slash sugar sauce, then lit on fire with applejack liquor before plating and serving. Sounds good. The pan my partner and I were using were about 12 inches in diameter. Chef came by our station and said we needed a bigger pan, even though the pan I was cooking in was cooking everything perfectly. So my partner ran into the kitchen and grabbed a 30-inch pan. The sauce was perfect, but the alcohol didn't ignite. Not sure where the malicious compliance was. I mean, they did comply, but, I mean, maybe the alcohol wouldn't have ignited in the other pan? Like, why does the pan size make a difference on whether or not the alcohol lights? Any of you chefs out there, maybe enlighten me a little bit, because I am totally lost on this one. But, uh, yeah, when chefs start screaming stuff, you kind of got to follow. A stinky surprise. So several years ago, I worked in a daycare in the infant room. The state regulation said diapers had to be changed every two hours or when the caregiver noticed the diaper was soiled, whichever came first. There was a boy that drank a lot, and so he peed a lot, and therefore got changed a lot. He was also one of those babies that only ever pooped if his diaper was dry. One day his mom went on a rant about diapers, so I told her the state regulations and she told me, Well, don't check his diaper, just change him every two hours. They're expensive and you're using too many of them. My boss agreed, so I did as I was told. A few days go by and he started getting a rash. She sent cream and said, I don't know why he's getting rashes all of a sudden. To which I just said, Yeah, that's weird, huh? I'll make sure to put cream on him. A few days later, he was due to be changed about 20 minutes before mom was due to pick him up. I realized he also hadn't pooped all day. I knew it was coming. About five minutes before pickup time, I smelled it, but I did not change it. She'd be there in a matter of minutes. I want to add, if this happened earlier in the day, he'd have been changed when he finished pooping and I'd have just dealt with the bitch fit she threw. The only reason I didn't was to make a point, and I knew. When she got there, she took him and walked to the car and finally smelled it. I watched out the window as she stormed back into the daycare in a rage, screaming, Why didn't you change him? He pooped. You know he has a rash. My time had finally come. I told her, ma'am, I did exactly what you asked me to do. If you check his daily sheet, you'll see that he was just changed 20 minutes ago. He told me not to check his diaper and to only change him every two hours. She changed him and stormed off to find my boss, who surprisingly told her the same thing that I did. She never complained about diapers again after that, and I changed him as I felt was necessary. Edit. Y'all are big mad that I did what the child's mother told me to do. And one of the top comments down below is, Parents don't override state regulations at daycare facilities. Poor kid. She sucks for asking, and you suck for complying. Yeah, you know, normally I would say, good for you. But, considering you have state regulations to go by, um, yeah, that sucked. You shouldn't have ever done that. No matter what your boss said, because your boss was wrong too. Yeah, if it's necessary, it's necessary. You change them, be done with it. If the mom doesn't like it, go somewhere else. We won't even get into the moral 
issues going on here of letting a child, you know, get a rash and then keep irritating it by not changing when it really needs it, let alone if it's two hours, 20 minutes, whatever. On the other hand, I can see where if the boss agreed with the mother, then I don't know, what are you supposed to do? But I guess at that point, if you're going to stand on morals and principle, you better be ready to walk away from your job. So, meh, I don't know. I still wouldn't have done what mom said. Screw her. Malicious compliance costs yearly a million pounds per year. I was thinking to write about this for some time. So here it is. Apologies for the long post. This happened around 15 years back. I used to lead a back office process for a shared service center, which was wholly owned by a major European telco. The officer unit was based in India. One of the processes that we had was SIM activation, which was a manual process. New SIM card activation used to come in an Excel sheet, which the team used to activate based on certain prerequisite checks. It was a 15-member team, which worked 24-7. We came up with an idea to automate, and using macros was able to automate almost 85-90% to of the process. My stakeholder back in the EU was happy, and we were able to redeploy 12 members to different units outside my processes. A couple months comes our new compliance head. As part of his induction, we showed him our process and he was quick to point out the automation and how it was not compliant since it was not made by IT. Anyone who's worked in corporate knows IT turnaround for simple automation. He might have shut down the automation and manually restart the process, and we had to raise a request to IT to automate this. This was a Friday. During the weekend, customer service received huge escalations and complaints. It was also not a good onboarding experience. The stakeholder was not happy and raised an escalation with the Indian management team. The head of compliance blamed us for not following process. I had already briefed the stakeholder on what transpired, and he was supportive. After a week, we got the IT team coming back to us, stating that the entire automation would be done in a month's time, and it would cost us around £20,000 using RPA. So the original free automation would now cost an extra twenty dollars The stakeholder was really not happy with the experience and vowed to move the process to third party. Eventually, within a year, my entire process moved to third party, who did the automation free of cost. While people got redeployed, it still cost the offshore unit a million dollars, which was the cost of my team every year. I chose to join the third party where the process moved to, and while leaving, dropped an email on how the impulsiveness of the compliance head cost us our reputation and loss of business. He eventually got fired after about eight months. Edit. Thanks for the comments. To clarify some of the technical questions... The macro did not use system credentials, but just copy and pasted the data from Excel sheet to the CRM. It did not access any database directly, nor stored any credentials within it. Also, the user system was not connected to the internet. So, I have no idea what most of that means, except that you guys saw an issue, you fixed the issue, it didn't cost any extra money, you sped things up, made things more streamlined, everybody was happy except one guy... And now everything's slower and costs more money. Fantastic. Mm. Have a party on my birthday? Eh, we'll drink all your beer. This happened in the late 80s when I was in college. I'm on my phone, so please excuse any format issues. This is also a bit long due to the background info. I went to UConn, University of Connecticut. In my sophomore year, I was assigned to a room in a quad. During the 80s, the school ran out of dorm rooms, so they converted study rooms into dorms. These were deemed quads, so four students roomed there. My three roommates were seniors, all graduating. Since I was the owner of the room, UConn had an elaborate system to assign rooms, three friends approached me to be the fourth, so as to guarantee the room for next year. I'm pretty easygoing, so I said yes. 
This was a big mistake since I find that I'm not compatible with others and we constantly butted heads. One example, one of the roommates volunteered to bring their record player for the room, but then didn't allow me to play my records on it because it was the devil's music. For the record, I had Led Zeppelin, Pink Floyd, and that kind of stuff. And no, this person was not religious, he was just being a jerk. The list of complaints goes on, but it all came to a head on my birthday. Weeks before my birthday, I informed my mates that I was throwing a party on my birthday and would like to have a party in the room. This was not unusual. There had been parties here before, thrown by one person or the other. This was my first request for the room. The others said fine, and I started to invite my friends. I planned about 10 people. A few days before my birthday, all three came to me to tell me they were going to throw a huge party on my birthday. When I protested, they said my friends could come as well, but the cover charge was 5 bucks. I pushed back, saying that I was buying my own supplies so my friends shouldn't have to pay. They agreed. Later, I find that they invited a lot of people, and I wasn't going to even see my friends, let alone celebrate with them. The night of the party, my roommates tell me to have my friends identify themselves so they won't get charged. This is where the malicious compliance comes in. I was really pissed that these guys were doing this, so I went down to the ground floor of our dorm and told anyone coming to the party that if you told the person taking the money that you were there for my party, you won't be charged. You can probably guess the rest. The party was a huge success. All the beer drunk. Roommates out all their money. I have some sort of satisfaction. Guess you shouldn't have scheduled the party on my birthday. Only bummer was that I really didn't get to hang out with my friends because it was way too crowded. Before anyone questions how did just about everyone get in free without my roommates figuring it out? People were coming in staggered, so 50 people didn't all just show up at the same time to make it obvious. And all three were collecting the money at various times, so they didn't know that everyone was claiming to be for my party until the end when they pulled their money. It's funny, when I read this title, I was thinking, you know, come on, stop being a baby, you know, suck it up. And then the more I thought about it and read into the story, okay, y'all had an agreement. They went back on the agreement, wanted to throw a huge party and try to make a profit. <laughs> yeah, so F those guys and uh, hopefully you had a good birthday anyway. I don't care when other people want to do what they want to do, but they should have said something up front so then you could at least plan. Yeah, you accommodated them so that they could have that room and uh, it worked out well for them. And then they kind of shafted you in the end with this whole party deal. So, yeah, I get it. Story time, 1950s edition. This is a family story that my grandmother, now deceased, told me all my life. Grandma was an epic storyteller, and this tale is a family legend. I can't confirm if it's accurate, but if you're just here to mark over the details and play Mythbusters with the physics, just move along and ruin the magic of someone else's family lore. My grandfather died before I was born, and my grandmother would tell me such amazing tales of their deep love, hardships, and life together that I felt like I really almost knew him. The story takes place in the mid-50s rural America. For context, that was a time and place when it was common and expected that for most households, the men worked and the women stayed home, kept house, and raised the children, and the man was unequivocally the head of the family. These were the values of my grandparents, and they were happy with it. By all accounts, my grandfather had an adventurous palate and loved to try new foods. There wasn't an exceptionally large variety of exotic or new foods available in rural small-town groceries or markets in that era. So mostly people made dozens of variations of all the same foods they were familiar with or could grow in their gardens. Well, the story goes that there had been some conversations at work that day where my grandfather had been bragging about what a good wife he had and how she would always cook him anything he asked for to eat. I can almost hear the guys going, Oh yeah, is that so? Well, what about so-and-so? So my grandfather, Felix, comes home and he tells my grandmother, Gladys, I want you to bake me a watermelon. <laughs> Gladys, uh, what? Felix. 
I've decided I want to try baked watermelon and I want you to cook it for me. Gladys. Felix, I'm not baking a watermelon. Felix. Well, of course you are, because I've asked you to. Gladys. Absolutely not. That's absurd. You can't bake a watermelon. It will. Felix. Now see here. I'm your husband and all this arguing carrying on is uncalled for. I've already told the guys about how you'll make me anything I ask for and that you'll make me this, even though they think you won't. Now I put this roof over our heads. I'm the man of this house and if I want you to cook me a watermelon, then that's what you'll do. Having played the dreaded man card, my grandfather had secured the argument and I could always picture my grandmother standing there seething until suddenly going stone cold. The only sign of trouble that little twinkle of malice in her eye. Gladys says, fine, Felix, so be it. I will bake you a watermelon on one condition. You'll clean up after it. My grandfather, having foolishly cut her off earlier and believing now that he had the upper hand, saw no problem with this and easily agreed. After all, how much trouble could it be to clean up after a watermelon? As the story goes, when that watermelon exploded inside the old stove, it blew the top completely off. <laughs> it was like a red liquid sugar bomb hit the entire kitchen. My grandfather, a man of honor and true to his word, and newly repentant for his attitude and not listening to his wife, cleaned everything. Walls, ceiling, floors, the entire kitchen. My grandmother got a new stove out of the deal, as well as a delicious victory of, I tried to tell you. And Felix got to go back to work and tell the guys that his wife had, in fact, baked him a watermelon. That it was absolutely indescribable, and how he hoped that they had wives as good as his and would soon get to try it for themselves at home. <laughs> Epic. <laughs> it's too funny. <laughs> hey, sometimes you gotta be careful what you ask for, man. Uh... Yeah, and I'm quite sure that baked watermelon wasn't just throwing a whole watermelon in the oven. I've never tried it, but I've tried other fruits and certain vegetables, and you basically just cut them in half lengthwise, lay them open, prep them with whatever you're supposed to prep them with, and then bake them. But uh, yeah, I can't even imagine that mess, dude. Mm, mm, mm. And before any of you start in on the misogynistic blah, 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 families did what they did. They did what they thought was best and what worked for them. You know, it was a different time. It was a different place, rural America, and everybody had their roles. And for the most part, everybody was happy with it. And those who weren't just didn't do it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, in my house, if my wife wants to be the one to, you know, make all the calls and all that, so be it. Whatever. I'm good either way. So, yeah, don't get too hung up on this stuff that happened in the past. You don't want heavy bags? Okay, then one item per bag. So this actually didn't happen to me. It happened to a coworker, but I was there when it happened. This actually happened during the beginning of the pandemic. I worked as a cashier at a Walmart, and this day I actually worked in the registers where we sold tobacco and alcohol. It was early in the morning, so around 7.30 to 8 a.m., and the customer comes up to my coworker, Anna, and starts putting her stuff on the conveyor belt. Anna asks the customer if she wants any bags, and the customer says yes, but not to make them too heavy. We live in California where bags are charged 10 cents per bag, which is why Anna had asked if the customer wanted any bags. Usually when a customer says to not make the bags heavy, we would put two to three items, depending on how heavy the item was, which is what Anna did. The customer got so angry when she saw she was putting two to three items in the bag and started yelling at Anna, telling her not to put too many things in the bags because they were too heavy for her to carry, and started saying she was incompetent and was being super rude, so Anna, with a big smile on her face, started putting one item per bag and charged her for each bag. It was a total of like 30 bags, so the lady had to pay an extra $3. Oh, I get it. I've been there before, not me personally, but like with my mom and my wife and things like that, where you have some cashiers who... There's several things happening here. 
some cashiers have no idea how to bag stuff to begin with. Uh, then you have the corporate way of bagging things, which is just however it comes off the belt, pretty much just stuff it in bags until the bag's full. And end up being either heavy, unwieldy, uh, motor oils mixed in with your eggs, and yada, 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 yada. A really good cashier already knows how to categorize things for one. You know, you have squishables, perishables, non-food items separate from food items, and how to make them not so heavy that grandma or whoever can't carry them. This lady was being just a little over the top special, though. So, she got what she got, man. You want to pay the extra money? One item per bag. Good for you. You've been listening to Storytime with Uncle Reddit. If you enjoy this content, be sure to follow my podcast. I upload new episodes at least three times a week.